Christian Ministries proudly presents our Faith Week. This is part two in a series designed to equip, encourage, and instill hope. Join Pastor Josh Barnett as he speaks to us on faith. Well, if you got your notes this morning, I really want to teach you some things this morning. If you want to go ahead and pull out your notes and your Bibles, I really want to dive into this. I want to talk about having an unshakable faith this morning. A faith that is unshakable. Uh, Tim was talking about the disciples in the boat last night, and, and really the, the, the Lord rebuked them because of their lack of faith. But, but you know, so many times, uh, at, at, you know, just as life goes on, as we face storms and trials and things come, sometimes we, sometimes we get shaken in our faith. Sometimes, you know, instead of holding true to what Scripture says, we change our theology. We change the way that we believe about the Lord based on our experiences and not based upon what the Word of God says. And so I really want to just encourage you this morning. I want to build up your faith that we have some unshakable things to stand on this morning. And so it's real easy to let our faith wane or to let it decrease when we're actually supposed to fight to increase. We're talking about the fight of faith last night. We're supposed to fight to increase, fight to grow our faith. So we get amnesia so fast. We, we get forgetful so fast of, what, of how faithful the Lord is. Or, we, or things happen, storms come, and we blame God for the storm. When Jesus and the disciples set out, God didn't send the storm. It would be silly for God to send a storm just for them, him, him to rebuke it. And I think sometimes storms come and we blame God for something the enemy has done. And so that really decreases our faith. And, and, and you know, just as life goes on, trials come, storms come. It's not, it's not if they're going to, it's a matter of when. And I think as we grow older, sometimes we go through things and it's easy to be fired up when we're younger, but it's easy to let that fire kind of dwindle down as we get older. And a, a common phrase that I hear is, Josh, when I was your age, I was passionate like you, or I was full of faith like you, or I was fired up like you. And my question is, well, what happened? What, what, what happened? See, what happens is we begin to view things from our perspective rather than God's perspective. You know, we, we, we settle, we stop going after the supernatural because we have failed to experience it. And we, we see, you know, it's not a new thing, but lately we've been seeing pastors and leaders and worship leaders fall away from their faith or deny their faith, losing their faith, even seeing pastors commit suicide. And it's a terrible, horrible thing. And my question is, is why what happens to that, that thing, that fire that's inside of us when we first get born again or we first get revelation from the Lord? What happens to that fire that is ignited on the inside of us? See, I don't, I don't think that's supposed to diminish. That's supposed to grow. We're supposed to maintain a childlike faith our whole life. You know, as, as we mature in faith, I believe that we're supposed to believe in the impossible more and more and more and more, not less and less and less and less. And Matthew 18, 3 says that oh, the kingdom of God, Jesus speaking, the kingdom of God will be revealed to those who become like children. And so we're supposed to maintain this posture of being childlike, always believing that anything is possible always believing that anything is possible. So, so how do I get unshakable faith? How do I get that? We looked in Mark four last night and it just reminded me of this scripture. If you'll turn to James chapter one with me real quick, I want to read a few verses to us. James chapter one, open your Bibles, take a hard right. If you get to revelation, you went a little too far. It's right after Hebrews. Hebrews. 
James chapter 1, I'm going to read verses 2 through 8 to us this morning. It says, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow, for when your endurance is fully developed, you'll be perfect and complete, needing nothing. If you need wisdom, ask our generous God, and He will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. But when you ask Him, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Do not waver, for a person with divided loyalty is as unsettled as the wave of a sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. Such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord, for their loyalty is divided between God and the world, and they are unstable in all that they do. And so you may not be in a boat with a storm around you right now, but there might be a storm going on on the inside right here. You know, we, we've lived in a very blessed nation. And so what the devil did, he, cha- you know, he changes his tactics. We're not facing the kind of pu- persecution that they talk about in Hebrews chapter 11. We're not facing all those things every day. So what the devil does, I'm going to get them right here. I'm going to get between their heads. I'm going to attack them right here. I'm going to rock their faith with anxiety and with stress and with the pressure of life. And he comes in and he makes us double-minded. And we so easily, we get tossed back and forth by the waves in our minds so easily. We get shaken up because we allow the enemy to plant thoughts in our minds or we dwell on those things that come in. And and what he does is he gets us to take our gaze off of Jesus and focus on all the things of life. And we become double-minded and says unstable in all of our ways. And so to be unshakable, we've got to fix our eyes on Jesus. We've got to fix our gaze on him. And when thoughts come in, when stress, when anxiety, when the depression, when those things come in, we have to take those captive and make them obedient to Jesus because those things will rob your faith. They will take your faith away. <clears throat> You know, faith, Hebrews 11, one says faith is the substance or confidence of things hoped for. What are you hoping for? I think sometimes we don't see things that we're hoping for because we get our, we let the enemy come in and start rocking our, our boat, the boat of our life. And we start to get our hopes really low. What are you hoping for? This morning, I want to encourage you, get your hopes up. Get them up. You are a child of God. There are a lot of promises in here. Tim read to us last night from Deuteronomy 28, the blessings that are available to the children of God. And if you're, if you're not hoping for anything, don't be prepared for anything. <laughs> if you're not hoping for anything good, don't be prepared for anything. That's what he, even in James 1, what he said, you're not going to receive anything from the Lord if you're double-minded. You're not going to receive. He said to ask confidently. You are full of faith, we ask in confidence for God to give us the things that we need. And if you're, if you're dreading life, essentially what the enemy has done is he has neutralized you for being effective for the kingdom. If you're dreading life instead of being hopeful in life, he has neutralized you. Get your hopes up. I want to encourage you this morning to believe big, to believe impossible. Has your faith been shaken as time has gone on? And I want to encourage you what the writer of Hebrews tells us in Hebrews 12, chapter 12, verse 12. He says, get a new grip. I want to encourage you, strengthen your weak hands this morning. Fight the good fight of faith. Let's grab on to that again this morning. I want to stir that up on the inside of you. Our faith should increase as time goes on. Our fire should grow. It should get, it, our faith should grow more solid. We should become more unshakable as we get older. We should believe for more. And one character in Scripture that I, that I see this in is Abraham. For the sake of time, I'm not going to turn to these passages, but if you'll just jot these down. 
Uh, we see Abraham's faith increasing as he gets older. In Genesis chapter 12, God calls him to the land of Canaan. Calls him from where he is to the land of Canaan. He actually called his father, but his father settled and didn't move on to where God called him to. So God called Abraham to move to the land of Canaan. He wanted to establish a nation, a people, a culture that would seek after him. Abraham gets to Canaan, shows up, and there's a severe famine in the land. And so what does Abraham do? He runs away to Egypt. God never told him to go to Egypt. God told him to go to Canaan. God told him to go to Canaan, but he leaves and he goes to Egypt. He gets to Egypt. He even lies about his wife. <laughs> and, and I want to encourage you in this. Just because something seems impossible, don't bail out on it. Just because God calls you to a place and you're like, whoa, I don't know about all this. That's really what essentially what Abraham did is he showed up and man, there's a famine in here. I can't feed my family. This isn't going to happen. And so, so he ran away. But God wants us to do impossible things that require faith because he wants to bring us out on the other side and us say, the only way I made it through that famine was because of God, was because of him. When we do impossible things, he gets the glory. And that's what he wants us to be able to do. He wants us to look back and say, there's no way I would have made it through that if it wasn't without him. He sent Abraham to Canaan because there was a famine there. He sent Abraham to that place to set up a culture, to set up a people, to set up a nation. And I want to encourage you this morning, God has you where you are for a reason. He's got you in your workplace for a reason. He's got you in your school for a reason. He's got you in your community for a reason. He's got you in your family for a reason. Stop complaining about your family and start declaring faithful things. Start declaring the promises of God over your family in bold faith. He put you in that place for a reason. One of my favorite quotes is, some people seek beautiful places while others make places beautiful. God is looking for a, pe for a people who will show up to a land full of problems and understand, I am here because there are problems here. He put me, I'm a kingdom man, and everywhere I go, I take back land for him. I'm, I'm in this workplace, and it's full of a lot of perversion. It's full of a lot of evil people, but God put me here to be a testimony, to be a witness of his glory, to be a witness of his love, to be a witness of his love. God put you where you are for a reason. He wants you to not get depressed and overcome by your circumstances and surroundings, but know that I'm here to change this. I'm here to change all of this. We've got to realize that we are citizens of heaven. We are agents sent from heaven to shine his light into the darkness. I'm here to let the groaning world know there's a new CEO in town. There's a new boss in town. I'm an ambassador of Christ called to build the kingdom of God everywhere that I go. God has a plan. And the plan is you. He's got a plan for your school for our city, for your community, for your, for your family, and that plan is you. He sent you there to be his move. So Abraham eventually get, goes back to Canaan. In Genesis chapter 15, God brings, Canaan out and, uh, brings Abraham out and says, look at the stars, you're going to have this many descendants. He's 75 years old, he has no children. Whew. <laughs> Okay, God, that's, that's kind of hard to believe. He's 75 at the time. At 86, 
hey, I've never met this woman before, but God push, but uh, his wife Sarah pushes him to sleep with another woman so that they can have a baby. That's crazy. Um, but at 86, he sleeps with Hagar and has Ishmael. And we're still seeing consequences of that decision. And in this, I want to encourage you, don't ever try to force God's word to come to pass. If something has been spoken over you, if he has told you, if he has given you a promise, just stay in that place, stay in his will, and he will make it happen. Don't, don't settle because you think it's taking too long. He works outside of our time zone. <laughs> his timing is way different than our timing. There, there are things that I believe that have been spoken over my life and in my life that I'm not going to see for another 50 years. There are things that have been spoken over me that I actually think are for my sons. And so don't, don't settle because it's taking too long or you're not getting where you want fast enough. His timing doesn't, doesn't work like ours. I want to encourage you, wait on the Lord. If he has promised it, his promises are yes and amen, and you hang on to that as long as it takes. Stay in his will. You know, I don't, there were many, many, many prophecies that Jesus fulfilled. Like, the, the number is astronomical of the odds that one man would have fulfilled all the Old Testament prophecies that he did. I don't think Jesus walked around with a checklist. Right? You know, I don't think he got to the end of his life and thought, man, I almost forgot about the donkey. I almost forgot about that. I don't think he was walking around going, done, done, done. No, he just stayed in the presence of his father. He just stayed in the will of his father, and God made all those things happen. I promise you, if you will stay in his will, if you will stay going after him, if you will fight the good fight of faith, he will make it happen for you. We don't have to force it. Finally, at 100 years old, Abraham has Isaac. Abraham has Isaac. In Genesis chapter 22, God tells Abraham, I want you to go sacrifice your only son. And then it says, early the next morning, Abraham got up, got the things together, got Isaac, and set off. So here's what I want you to see. He went to Canaan and didn't stay because there was a famine. He tried to force the child part with another woman. But when God said, murder your son, he said, okay. And he set off early the next morning. Like, what? Like, that, that is, that's crazy to me that, okay, do this, but, oh, man, that seemed a little too hard. Or do this, oh, that's not going as fast as I want it to. But now, this ultimate test, like, I want you to sacrifice your son to me. And Abraham says, okay. And he gets up early the next morning, and not one time do we see Abraham complaining. See, his faith had grown over time. His faith had grown as he had gotten older. Even when he blew it, even when he didn't quite obey the right way, God was still faithful. God was still faithful. 2 Timothy 2.13 says, even when we are unfaithful, he is still faithful. And Abraham's faith had gotten to a place because God had remained faithful, even when Abraham tri- almost basically looked like he was trying to screw it up. Even when Abraham, what his decisions he were making tried to screw it up, God still f- stayed faithful to the promises that he spoke over Abraham. And Abraham had gotten to his place that Hebrews chapter 11, verses 17 through 19, says that Abraham, by faith, got up to go sacrifice Isaac. And he so believed in God that even if he actually had to do it, that God would raise Isaac back from the dead. That's how much his faith had grown. 
That he reasoned in his heart that even if I have to do this, God will raise my son back from the dead because this, this is the promise that he made to me that I'm going to be the father of many nations. So we see how Abraham, as he went through life, his faith grew stronger. And I want to encourage you this morning, the way that you build your faith, man, just draw on your history of the unshakable, unwavering, unfailing, always faithful God. Build your faith this morning. Draw on your history with Him. Look at your testimony. Look at how you got into this room right here, right now, where you're at. Revelation says that we will overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. Even when you thought you screwed it up. Even when you thought like you could do, like you really, like you're going to blow it. Like you think you're going to mess up God's plans. No, He's always faithful. Even when we're unfaithful, he's always faithful. His promises are yes and amen. Real quick, turn to Hebrews chapter 11. If you were in James, it's just the book right before. I shut my Bible, so now I have to find it again. Are y'all getting something out of this this morning? It's building my faith as I'm talking about it right now. Hebrews chapter 11, look at verse 8. I'm going to read verses 8 through 13. It says, It was by faith that Abraham obeyed when God called him to leave home and go to another land God would give him as his inheritance. He went without knowing where he was going. And even when he reached the land God had promised, he lived there by faith, for he was like a foreigner living in the tents. And so did Isaac and Jacob, who inherited the same promise. Abraham was confidently looking forward to a city with eternal foundations, a city designed and built by God. It was by faith that even Sarah was able to have a child, though she was barren and was too old. She believed that God would keep his keep his promise. And so a whole nation came from this one man who was as good as dead, a nation with so many people that like the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore, there was no way to count them. And all these people died still believing what God had promised them. They did not receive what was promised, but they saw it all from a distance and welcomed it. They agreed that they were foreigners and nomads here on earth. One, one thing that I want us to see here in the life of Abraham and Sarah is that even though, they, even though they didn't see all that God had promised, they still remained faithful. And, I, and, and I, what I want to encourage this morning is each generation, our faith should grow. Each generation, our faith should grow. You know, I, I'm believing. I think Abraham, he knew like, okay, I'm reaching the end of my life. And so Isaac's going to have to take this. And Isaac knew that Jacob was going to have to take this. And they had a faith that even if this outlives me, it, God is going to fulfill his promises in the next generation. And so I want to encourage the, the older generation in here, like, let's encourage the younger ones. Let's encourage them that, like, what we have built so far, like, this is the ceiling, and they get to build from there. Like, it's not going to stop with us. Like, God's plan and promises don't end with us and our death. They continue long after we are gone. Just because, I want to say this, just because you don't see it in your life, don't put water on the fire of the younger ones, of the younger believers. When I mean younger, I don't, I don't just mean age. I mean, even Christians who have been saved a less amount of time, get their hopes up. Get the next generation, get their hopes up, build their faith. Don't squash somebody's faith because you didn't have the faith. Well, I believed it and I didn't see it. Well, that's fine. Keep believing because it says right here that these guys, they believed it unto death. 
They held, they held tight to what God had promised. And even if I don't see it, my kids are going to see it. And even if I don't see, even if they don't see it, my great grandkids are going to see it. And so it continues to go through generations. They, they died not receiving the promise, but they never lost faith. Just because you didn't see it or haven't seen it is not permission for you to lose faith. Just because you haven't seen it or maybe even won't see it, doesn't give you permission to, to lose faith. I believe that we have a young generation that is hungry for the presence of God that will move into the miraculous. And honestly, like, like I believe, like what we should do is look in their eyes and say, go for it. Can we look in the, the younger generation's eyes and say, go for it. When we say go for it, that unlocks destiny inside of them. That unlocks for them to believe in the impossible, for them to believe that, hey, this is the ceiling of where I got. Now I'm going to build on to that. And I'm going to continue to expand this kingdom. Let's not act in jealousy because we don't get to see it. Let's be excited about maybe the next generation seeing greater things than we got to see. That should, that should excite us. Parents. <laughs> I, I, people, I don't think they mean to, but a lot of times it's almost like people are trying to squash my faith about my kids. Um, maybe because theirs didn't turn out the way they wanted to. I don't know. Um, <laughs> there, and listen, there's a lot of things that I take. There's a lot of things that people say to me that I disagree with, that I just shake my head and smile because there's really no point in ba- debating. But it, like, if you want to get my blood boiling, like if you want me to think about drop kicking you in the chest, um, Say things to me like, just wait until they're a teenager. Woo! That, that gets me so, like, if you want to argue with me, I will make a whip and start flipping tables if you say that to me. Because my house will be called a house of prayer, and I'm not going to let somebody come in and steal my faith for what I'm believing for, for my kids. Choose this day whom you will serve, but as for me and my house... We're going to serve the Lord and I'm not going to let negative thoughts come into mind. Oh man, like what if, like what if they do that when they become a teenager? What if, well, what if they run away from the Lord or what if they deny their faith? I'm not going to let the enemy cause me to be unstable in all my ways. I'm not going to let waves come in. I'm going to lay my hands on my babies and I'm going to declare things over them that they will be lovers of God, that they will not have prodigal days, that they will follow him all the days of their life, that they will be blessed going in and blessed going out, that they will be the head and not the tail, that they will be leaders of their generation. Parents, can I encourage you this morning? Don't let somebody steal your faith. And listen, if you got kids who are prodigal, don't pray weak prayers over them. Declare it's ending right now. They're coming home. They're coming home. They're going to come back to the Lord. And it's just whatever they did or whatever mistakes they made, it's just going to be a setup for what God is going to do in their life. And their testimony is just going to be that much more powerful. Woo. You're raising world changers, parents. You're raising revival care carriers. You're raising flaming arrows, kingdom shakers. Kingdom builders. Why are teens going to college, denying their faith, turning away from God in droves? I think sometimes because we fill their heads full of knowledge and we fail to give them an encounter with the God. We fail to give them an encounter with God. Many times we give the world, we give people an explanation when actually they need a demonstration. They need to encounter the presence of God. We spend too much time trying to prove he exists instead of being the proof that he does exist. Why do I believe so strongly in God? Why is my faith so high? Why is it so strong? It's not because somebody talked me into it. 
It's not because somebody talked me into it. It's not because I sat through creation versus evolution lectures. It's not because somebody taught me validity of scripture. Because I believe that if you can be talked into something, you can be talked out of something. The reason that I believe that God is real 100% without a doubt, I tell my students this all the time, that I believe God is just as real as I believe that my wife is real. Like 100% without a doubt, I believe that he is real. It's because I encountered his presence. I've encountered his presence numerous times. I've encountered the undeniable, manifest, supernatural presence of God. When I was far away from God, what brought me back was not my head knowledge. It's that I had a supernatural encounter with God while I was at work. The Holy Spirit came on me and convicted my heart. And it felt like I was on fire. And I, re- I literally had to go in the back and just cry. And I believe that that happened because somebody was declaring things over me. Hello? It's because somebody was praying for me. Somebody was lifting me up. Probably some of these ladies right here. (laughs) Apologetics is fine. I I love apologetics. I teach them. They do build your faith a little bit. But information doesn't change anybody. Information doesn't change anybody. The gospel is not just intellectual verbalization. It's supernatural transformation through an encounter with Jesus. Through His Spirit. 1 Corinthians 4.20 The kingdom of God is not a matter of talk. It's a matter of power. The proof of the gospel is not scientific. It's experiential. The proof of the gospel is that I was addicted to pornography and I'm not addicted anymore. The proof of the gospel is that you might have been addicted to crack, but you're not addicted anymore. The proof of the gospel is that your marriage might have been in shambles and now you're more in love than you've ever been before. The proof of the gospel is that you were dead and now you are alive. (laughs) The proof of the gospel, I was depressed and now I have indescribable joy. I was losing my mind with anxiety and I have unexplainable peace. The proof of the gospel is that you are sick and you've been healed. See, I believe that God brought me out of slavery to actually enjoy freedom. To actually enjoy this life, to give me life and to give it, give it to me more, more abundantly that I can live happy, healthy, and blessed. It's not wrong to say that. I read this book and I see like we are his children and he's got good things in store for us. It's not his will that any should perish. Heaven is going to be great, but he's not saving all the good stuff for one day when I hit that sweet by and by. He's got good stuff right now. He doesn't want you to get your, kick, your brains kicked in for the next 60 years. He actually wants you to enjoy life. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. What are your hopes set on? He wants you to thrive. I want to encourage you, get your hopes up. And don't rain on other people's hopes. <laughs> don't be Debbie Downer. Take off that spirit of dread. Let's help the next generation believe big. Christ in me is the hope of glory. In 2 Corinthians chapter 3. If Moses' face glowed under an inferior covenant, how much more do we have access to now that we have the Holy Spirit? Now that we have the new covenant, can we, does that stir you up at all? Man. And when Jesus, Jesus on the cross, he said, Tetelestah, it is finished. Period. Everything is finished. He won right there in that moment. So you're not, we're fighting the fight of faith, but you're not fighting for victory. You're fighting from victory. What you are fighting for has already been accomplished. We just have to move our faith into believing that it has already been accomplished. When we pray the prayer of faith for cancer to dry up in somebody's body, we have to stand in faith and believe cancer has already been defeated. It's done. 
It's done. It's already been defeated. Don't be intimidated when someone says they have cancer because greater is he that is in me than he that's in the world. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives on the inside of me. When we get fully convinced of this, we really can see your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We are to leverage the kingdom of God into this world. Jesus gave us access. He actually gave us the responsibility to make the kingdoms of this world become the kingdom of our God. Anything, with God, anything is possible. And Jesus said, anything is possible to he that believes. That should build your faith. And so I want to end this morning. How do I get my faith to grow? How do I step into that place? Your faith grows through your agreement with it. Your faith grows through your agreement with this word. With it. See, if you read those things and go, I don't know if I believe that. You're going to have a hard time praying for the sick. You're going to have a hard time believing that God wants to bless you. You've got to come into agreement. And you've got to change your behavior to act. You can say that you agree, but if you don't change your behavior and change your words, we've got to change our behavior and change our words. We've got to make decisions in faith. Romans 14, 23 says anything not done in faith is sin. What does that mean? That means if, if every decision that I make, if everything that I do is not built on my foundation, foundation of faith, then it is sin. And, and this is what that means. If, you're not, if your foundation is not believing that God is who he says he is and he's going to do what he says he's going to do, then it's sin. Then we're missing the mark. And so we've got to step into this place. Faith is active. It is alive and it is growing. So how do I increase my faith? Get into his presence. Get into his presence. Pray. Worship him. I'm going to read this real quick. Hebrews 12. Verse 1 and 2. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great crowd of witnesses to this life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus. The champion who initiates and perfects our faith. It's him. You keep your eyes on him and he will perfect your faith. And that great cloud of witnesses are all these people we read about in in, in Hebrews chapter 11. I believe they're up there with Jesus going, come on, like you got this. You got this. You can do this. We see it. We see that you can do this. Fix your eyes on him. How do I increase my faith? Just like Abraham did, obey what he says. Are you going to always get it right? No. But though the righteous man falls seven times, he always rises again. And you just, you obey what he says. Well, God never talks to me. We'll read this until he does. <laughs> he talked to us a lot right here. And listen, if you read this, I promise you, Holy Spirit will start talking to you. He will start whispering to your heart. You'll read this and it'll be like a verse just explodes in your heart, explodes off the page. That is the Holy Spirit talking to you. And then obey what he tells you to do and your faith will increase. Surround yourself with people of faith. Surround yourself that will build you up, that will look you in the eyes and say, go for it. That will look you in the eyes and say, you got this. You can do this because Jesus, because of him. And then last thing, stop praying weak prayers. Don't pray weak prayers. God, if it's your will. Well, it's his will. 
It's his will. It's his will that you be, that you be healed. It's his will. Jesus healed everybody that came to him. He didn't make anybody sick. He didn't give anybody cancer. He healed the people that came to him. Start making bold declarations. Jesus told us to go heal the sick. Go heal them. Lay your hands on them and pray boldly. This ends now in Jesus' name. This ends now. And the in Jesus' name isn't a magical prepositional phrase. It means that you're actually coming in the name of Jesus, that you're hidden with him. And so that when you step up to cancer, cancer goes, that's Jesus. I have to leave. So that when you walk into Walmart, demons go, that, I thought that was Josh, but that looks a lot like Jesus. Why? Because I'm hidden in Christ. And so we're going to make bold declarations until we see it happen. Well, I prayed a bold declaration. It didn't happen. You keep praying it. Go back to Hebrews 11. They held on to the promise. They didn't even see everything that they were promised, but they held on to it. And so that's what Why does it not happen sometimes? I don't know. I just know what God tells me to do. And so I'm going to keep pressing in and I'm not going to be double-minded. I'm not going to change my theology based on my experiences. I'm going to fight to raise my... The standard is anything is possible to he that believes. The standard is anything is possible with God. Anything, that's my standard that I'm going to go after and I'm not going to be double-minded in any way. So I get this question, well, what if I set out in these things? What if I set out to do these things and they don't happen? My question is, what if they do? I'm going to go after it until they do. Last thing, Luke 12, 32. Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. It's His good pleasure that you lay your hands on the sick and you see Him recover. It's His good pleasure that you walk into the store and demons flee. It's His good pleasure that your kids serve the Lord all the days of their life. It's, it's His good pleasure that your business be blessed. It's His good pleasure that you see the kingdom break out in your life. It's His good pleasure that we build our house on something that is unshakable. Did y'all get something out of this? Y'all stand with me. I want to pray over you real quick as we dismiss. God, we thank you so much, Lord. Ooh, we thank you so much for bringing your kingdom here, God. We thank you so much for restoring that which Adam lost, restoring that which we forfeited, restoring that back to our lives so that we could again walk in the cool of the day with you so that we could take dominion in this earth, God. Build our faith up right now to build your kingdom in this earth, God. We want to make the kingdoms of this world become the kingdoms of our God, God. We want to make disciples of nations. We want to do what you've called us to do, God. Send us out in faith. We place our feet on something unshakable. And that is the person and work of Jesus. That it is done and it is finished. And all we have to do is walk into it. God, we thank you so much for this week. Lord, bring us all back here safely. Everyone going back to school, back to business, I ask that you would protect them, God, and that you would stir up in their hearts something big to happen this week, some impossible things to happen in their life, God. Lord, we love you and we worship you and we give you all the glory. You're such a good father in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen and amen. Thank you for joining us each week for the CMC podcast. Go to cmchurch.com. For more information about all the great things CMC has for you.